The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here to recap uh, the 2018 NFL Draft from the Titans' perspective. But before we get into that, uh, a bit of an exciting announcement to make. Uh, The hosts of our podcast, Blog Talk Radio, have announced a new partnership with Spreaker.com, which is another way it's like stitcher itunes it's just another way to listen to the podcast but it also they have also uh announced another partnership which i think is pretty cool with with uh amazon so if you have one of those amazon echo devices which is basically the cylinder siri as i like to call it it's like a pringles can with siri inside if you have one of those it is now possible to listen to the titan sized podcast on request from your Alexa device once you download Spreaker, which I was just telling you about. So you're going to go to Spreaker.com. If you have Amazon Alexa, uh, you're going to, uh, the the Echo or whatever it's called, you're going to download Spreaker. You're going to set up the skill. You should know how to do that if, if you know how to, to use your Alexa. And you're simply going to be able to just say, like, Alexa, open Spreaker. And then you're going to be able to say, Alexa, play or ask Spreaker to play the Titan Size podcast. And that will be a new, unique way for you to listen to the Titan Size podcast. I don't have an Amazon Echo, so if you do, test that out. Let us know how it works. Uh, pretty exciting, I think, um, that you can now talk to a robot and our voices start to come out of it. Um, but now let's talk okay. about the uh, the NFL draft from the Titans perspective. I think we were all... Not sh- maybe shocked isn't the right word, but I mean it's a little odd that they only came out making four selections because they they traded up three times. Um, but before we get into the specifics of the Titans picks and you know whether or not it was a mistake for them to only make four picks, all that stuff, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the league. Um, I want to hit on the quarterbacks because that's been a big topic of conversation. I know for the three of us, pretty much for the last two or three months, and. Uh, Maybe we'll we'll name teams that we feel like uh, had really good drafts or really bad drafts. So let's start with the quarterbacks, uh, the big four, Darnold, Allen, Rosen, and Mayfield. How did you guys feel about uh, where those guys ended up and, and their fits with the organizations that they're now a part of? Um, well, first of all, um, I, I think we all saw the Josh Allen to the Bills thing happening, oh, so yeah. that was no surprise. Um, the, it was surprising to see Mayfield go number one. Uh, it just started to materialize, um, on the internet, that rumor, um, early, early on draft day. And, uh, even towards the, until like the pick was made, I still thought it was going to be Sam Darnold, uh, just because 
I feel like everyone was pretty pretty sure that it was going to be Darnold at number one. Um, but they went with Mayfield. Um, honestly, like I've talked about it before, I thought Mayfield, Darnold, Rosen, and Lamar Jackson were like almost all on the same level in in my opinion, at least. Um, so I, I don't think you really could have gone wrong with any of them. Uh, I am excited to see Baker Mayfield uh, uh, run that offense. They definitely have uh, definitely have some pieces there. Um, Darnold in New York makes sense. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't see the Jets. Ha- I feel like they don't have a lot of talent. I like Robbie Anderson, but he's apparently a criminal. So Right. No, he has serious off-the-field issues. Um, who are their other players? Like Jermaine Curse? Quincy Inunua. They lost Austin Safarian Jenkins. Right. Right. I, well, they got Herndon from, um, from UM, so they also he'll got, probably uh, be like their in, starting in tight end. In the backfield, they added Thomas Rawls and Isaiah Crowell. Okay, that's not not terrible for Darnold, I guess, in year one. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like he's going to have like a Mitchell Trubisky kind of year, probably uh, rookie year, where he's not really making much of an impact, but he's still playing well. Uh, but he's just not being elevated uh, by the people around him. Josh Allen, we're not even going to talk about because he's going to be terrible, and so are the Bills. Absolutely. Um, and and uh, I really like Rosen in Arizona. Um, I thought Arizona liked Lamar Jackson. Uh, those were the the pre pre draft rumors. Uh, but I think once Rosen started to slide, um, he made a lot of sense for them uh, for them to trade up for him. Um, now that Bruce Arians is gone, I'm not sure exactly how they were going to run their offense. Um, but but when Bruce Arians was there, it was it was very much a vertical offense, um, which I'm not sure if that's really Rosen's. Um, Rosen's mo. Uh, he, he's more of a intermediate passer uh, with timing routes and, and stuff like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they how they how they construct their offense to fit him. Is it uh, although I don't think in terms of on the field analysis to say that Josh Rosen is a slow Marcus Mariota. I mean, there's a lot of similarity there in terms of the mechanics, the arm strength, the accuracy, mm-hmm. the anticipation. Yeah, they're both very good with anticipatory throws. They're both also very smart, um, both on the field and off the field. Um, so I, I can definitely see that, that comparison, uh, and I really like him like him in Arizona. I, I don't know how much he's going to play in his first year. I hope he plays a lot because I wanted to, to cherish his time with Larry Fitzgerald. I think they would make just a fantastic uh, quarterback-wide receiver combination, but I'm expecting Sam Bradford uh, to be the starter until his— knees eventually give out and real quick another thing that rosen will have you mentioned larry fitzgerald that, that none of these other guys have i mean darnold has uh or excuse me mayfield has carlos hyde and uh nick chubb we talked about crowell and you know whoever but uh josh rosen behind him has an all pro running back in david johnson who he can literally give 30 touches a game to and he's gonna total 150 yards yeah it's not a bad thing to have, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, especially a guy like David Johnson, who's also one, arguably one of the best uh, pass catchers, pass catchers uh, in the entire league um, from that position. So that's definitely, um, definitely good for a rookie quarterback to help bring him along. And the Cardinals also were able to, I believe, upgrade their offensive line. I'm pretty sure with in the second round, weren't they? Am I uh, wrong about that? Who'd they that? take? Mason Cole? No, yeah, yeah they, they took uh, Mason Cole. That was third round. Yeah, but but I mean, like, I don't, I don't know how much of an upgrade that is. But, I mean, he is another human in that spot, so I guess that helps. 
Um, running back wise, you'll talk about David Johnson. Um, the only thing that might save Josh Allen from being a complete nightmare his first year is the fact that he's got LaShawn McCoy. Like, oh, yeah. that, that would be the only thing that saves him if there's anything. Because it won't be that offensive line. It probably won't be that defense. It won't be the wide receivers or tight ends. So, I mean, it, I hope he's best friends with him or else it's just going to be a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, and Shady can carry an offense. We've seen we've seen him do it before, and he's done it for like the past couple of years with the Bills. Um, I, I honestly, uh, I'm not gonna say I feel bad for Josh Allen, but he it is gonna be rough these first couple of years because I, they, they didn't draft any offensive linemen. Uh, I don't even know who's on their offensive line right now. It, it's really bad, and I'm concerned for his safety to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, everybody talks about. You know, the good thing is that he can move and, uh, you know, that his outer rhythm stuff is good and he's got the physical tools for that, but I, I just don't know. Um, let's move on from the quarterbacks. And lastly, before we hop into talking about the Titans, uh, let's each name a team that we thought had a really good draft and a team that we weren't too pleased with. Uh, my bad team is probably going to be the same as both of yours, the Raiders. I didn't think any of their picks made any sense, other than maybe Maurice Hurst in the first round, like taking a flyer on him, because his drop was because of a health concern, not actually an on-field or like character locker room issue. So, I mean, that's basically a coin flip. But, I mean, Arden Key, Colton Miller, um, there was some other player they drafted that I just never heard of. You can't, I mean, this team has so many holes, and they have talent. I mean, you have Khalil Mack, Bruce Irvin, Amari Cooper, Derek Carr. You know, you've got some talent, but they have a lot of holes, and I feel like all they really did is, like, add bodies instead of fill holes and get talent. That's what it felt like they were trying to do to me. And a team whose draft I loved was uh, the New York Giants. They went, their first three picks, Saquon Barkley, Will Hernandez, and Lorenzo Carter, all three players that I loved. And, uh, I mean, now, after adding Nate Solder, you put Will Hernandez next to him at left guard. That's a really strong left side of the offensive line if Will Hernandez is able to pan out. And you've got the the all-world running back now in Barkley. And on the defensive side of the ball, the Giants have been weak at linebacker really ever since John Beeson retired. And so Lorenzo Carter's a guy they're going to be able to move around a lot. He'll... Uh, pick up some of the slack left by Jason Pierre-Paul. He'll probably play some inside. I just thought they did a really good job of getting better as a football team. Yeah, I will agree that the Raiders draft made absolutely no sense to me. Uh, I didn't really like any of their picks outside of Hurst, but we don't even know if Hurst is going to be able to play at all. Um, the Arden Key pick, I mean, I don't. it's a complete toss-up whether he's even going to make an impact and whether he's going to be able to be motivated at the next level, um, and Colton Miller at 15 seemed like a reach. Uh, but I, I don't even, I don't know if they had the worst draft. They're definitely up there. Uh, but a team I thought kind of botched it too was the Saints trading up to 14 for Marcus Davenport, who I still believe is is a pretty big project. Um, and giving up a, a first round pick next year to get him, and giving up your first round pick this year uh, in that trade, I mean, that is just a really steep price to pay. Um, for, for a player who, who has some question marks coming in. Um, when they made the trade, I thought they were going to get Lamar Jackson and set themselves up for the future at quarterback. Um, but I guess they're just going to hope that Drew Brees is 
is um is just gonna play until his mid 40s so we'll see how that is and and i mean after that Davenport pick they didn't have a pick until the third round and then they took a receiver out of central florida who's pretty much just just a, uh, a height height and speed guy that didn't really wasn't really all that productive um and i didn't i didn't like a lot of their picks to be honest after that so uh i didn't like what they did uh, a team I did like what they did, uh, at least um, in the first four rounds, uh, was the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they got their middle linebacker in Leighton Van Der Esch, uh, with Sean Lee and Jalen Smith kind of, kind of not doubtful, but they both have question marks. So I thought that was a really, really smart pick, and, and a lot of people saw that coming before even the draft. Uh, then they were able to get Connor Williams from Texas. They're going to sl- slot him in at guard and just uh, keep that, keep that really good. Off- offensive line going uh michael gallup the wide receiver from colorado state in the third third round um i'm not gonna say he's similar to des bryant but he does have some similarities and he was really productive in college um and i know a lot of a lot of draft analysts liked uh and then they got a local kid uh dorance armstrong um he went to the university of kansas but he's from texas um so they got another edge pass rusher uh to make up for for drafting Taco Charlton in the first round last year, so I thought I like their I like their first round I, I like like their uh, their draft. Um, as far as somebody I didn't like, I don't think it's being talked about enough. But I didn't like what the 49ers did. Uh, I think they could use better weapons on offense. Uh, they kind of created their own need by trading an offensive tackle, and then I mean they drafted one of the first round first, obviously, and then they traded one. So. You kind of end up net neutral. Um, I just I, I didn't I didn't love Mike McGlinchey in the top ten. I, I I do think he's a good tackle, but I mean, can he help you more than Mika Fitzpatrick? More than I mean, Marcus Davenport could have. It, you know, you could have gone after Tremaine Edmonds. You could have traded down for that. There was a lot of things they could have done that I would have enjoyed more, thought made more sense for them. So. I, I I don't know. You know, you can add Jimmy Garoppolo into that if you want to, but they ended up with, you know, a first, second, third pick. I mean, they, they didn't – it's not like they missed a huge pick where they could have gotten an impact player. They have all their picks. So uh, that's that's one I don't love, but, I mean, people are going to always say that Garoppolo is part of that, even though that kind of got forgiven with the tackle trade. Um, somebody I liked a lot was Green Bay because – that they were the yeah. beneficiaries of that whole uh, trade down with uh, the Saints. So they have the future first-round pick, which is great. They got two first-round picks at corner. They're probably the only other team that I thought you know, had a second-round pick that really could have been a first-round pick other than maybe the Giants and Hernandez. But I, I really like what they did there. Um, I, I wish they would have gone out and gotten a better wide receiver than what they got, but – I mean, all in all, if you've got, you know, two first-round players and you also get a first-round pick next year, I mean, that's a pretty good haul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked what the Packers did as well. Were they, they took uh, – no, it was the Chargers that took Jerwin James. The Packers doubled down on corner, right? Mm-hmm. They got uh, – Yeah, uh, Joshua Jackson yeah. and Jair Sanders. So probably, you know – out, depending on how you consider uh, Denzel Ward, which I, I, I know, Matisse, you like him a lot. I like him okay. Um, not, I thought, for, not fourth overall. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought, oh, thought that was too high. But, I mean, I think you could argue that all three of those guys at different points in the process were considered the top guy. You know, Joshua mm-hmm. Jackson with his ability to turn the ball over and his length. Um, Jair Alexander, especially coming into the season, seemed like the de facto number one guy. I mean, he shut down Mike Williams when they played and, you know, stole the ball from him in the end zone. So, I mean, he he was somebody that I think was always going to be a steal just because, you know, Nobody wants to draft the second corner that high usually. But, uh, you know, like I said, getting two guys that at different points in this process were considered the top guy at corner, which is your biggest need is, I mean, and picking up a first round pick in the process is a really good job. They also got Equinemia St. Brown in the sixth round, which I thought was insane because uh, he's a really good high upside guy uh, who was hurt a lot by a terrible quarterback play at Notre Dame. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's their number three receiver at, at one point or, or another this season. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. So um, let's hop into talking about the Titans draft. Um, before we talk about the specific players and their fits with the Titans, let's talk about this philosophy that John Robinson seemed to have in this draft, and that was that he had his targets and he was going to get those targets regardless of what it cost. And the fact that he managed to begin the draft with only six picks, trade up three times, including in the first and second round, and not give up any future picks. I mean, saying that that's impressive isn't really, I mean, I mean, the fact I mean, the other teams just gave in those deals. I mean, it's not like it's impressive that he didn't give up future first-round picks. It is rare, though, that that happens, I will say. So kudos to him for being able to make those deals. Um, so I'll just start by asking, do you think that the fact that they only got four players on these, these four-year rookie contracts could end up coming back to bite them, even if you know the guys they drafted at the top are talented players? I don't. Um, so many people get caught up uh, in the amount of draft draft picks a team has, but how many picks can you possibly make that are actually going to make the team? Of course, you're spreading yourself wide uh, when you do have more picks in terms of in terms of hitting on players. But if those two players are highly productive college players um, who you get in the first and second round, like Evans and Landry, um, then it's really not that big of a deal. And also, I think John Robinson kind of learned. Uh, from his mistakes last year. Um, I, I don't know if they're mistakes, um, but he had four picks in the sixth and seventh round last year, uh, and those picks were Corey Levin, who I don't think appeared in a game last year, Josh Carraway, who was on the practice squad most of the year, Brad Seaton, who I, I think he got cut before anything, or he's on the practice squad, I don't know, and Kalfani Muhammad, who's also on the practice squad. Those players barely, if at all, contributed last year, and I think he just saw... I think he noticed that, and this year he was just like, "What is the point of even uh, accumulating these late round picks yeah, when I could just I agree. Uh, sign undrafted free agents who are going to give me the same type of impact?" I think I sent you guys a message at one point after I saw that the Dallas Cowboys had like six sixth round picks, and I just said, "This yeah, is yeah. utterly useless." Like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. I, I, trade trade all six for one fourth rounder. I mean, your chances are probably better. I will. They're going to find somebody. I, I will say, though, whether it's this undrafted free agent that they've signed, uh, what, Matias, what's his name, the running back? Akram Wadley. Yeah, whether it's whether it's him or another free agent that they sign, 
they got to upgrade that third running back spot over David Flewellen mm-hmm. going into this season. He provides nothing. He's just and I, there. I think I think Wadley's going to make make the team. I mean, I know I said this last year with Kalfani Muhammad, but I swear this is a different this is it a is. different yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. Because Kalfani Muhammad. Yeah, yeah. Muhammad is just he's too small to play in the NFL. And apparently, Akram Wadley's actually catch punts on the jugs machine, which is part right. of the reason why he fell out of favor that, with the staff. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't help you make the team. And Wadley is was way more productive in college than Muhammad, um, both in in rushing and receiving. Um, and Wadley's just bigger than him. He's, I think he's around 5'11", 194, which isn't overly big, but at least he can withstand withstand the rigors of the NFL, which Muhammad just couldn't. Yeah, and it, they're just different kinds of guys. I mean, you know, Kalfani Muhammad was supposed to be the scat back, based on his size mostly, was supposed to be the scat back who – you know, was dynamic with the ball in his hands and who could take some punt returns and all that kind of stuff. But he couldn't play special teams well. When he had the ball in his hands, he didn't really look explosive. It looks like they kind of got some of that production out of Taewon Taylor that they were hoping for from Kalfani Muhammad. So at mm-hmm. a certain point, he was supposed to be a role player, but just couldn't do any of the stuff he, things he was supposed to do. Akram Wadley is a guy who isn't a role player. I mean, he's a real running back who can do, you know, a whole bunch of different things. I mean, He's solid catching the ball out of the backfield on swing route. He's kind of DeMarco Murray-esque. Like, I mean, he can run in between the tackles. He doesn't really have the speed to burst to the outside. He can catch balls and, you know, do things in space. But, I mean, he's not going to, you know, win the Olympics or anything like that. But he's somebody who you want on your football team as your third or second running back. So, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons is, at Iowa is not something to sneeze at. And yeah. something like back 300-yard receiving seasons, too, like at Iowa, mm-hmm. who doesn't know how to pass the ball. Right. So, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive, uh, especially for a guy who, you know, almost got no buzz, even though he was a huge factor in them beating Ohio State. It was weird. I mean, he was projected to be like a mid-round pick. I, I was surprised he didn't get drafted at all. It, it, it was very strange. As with. So let's start talking about the Titans draft picks. We'll start right at the very top with uh, the Alabama linebacker, Rashawn Evans. Um, I called this pick, by the way, when they traded up. I t- you both thought it was going to be Landry, and I told you it was going to be mm-hmm. Rashawn Evans. Just because throughout this process, Josh Sweat never made any sense to me. I didn't really know of a connection between Harold Landry and the Titans. Uh, apparently, he did make a top 30 visit, and we just didn't know about it. Um, but Rashawn Evans just felt like the ultimate John Robinson and Mike Vrabel kind of player, this sort of fast, aggressive inside linebacker who's a thumper, who can make his way around in coverage, um, Team player leadership. I mean, when you when you read a scouting report, and you you hear those words. John Robinson immediately comes to mind, and I just felt like Rashawn Evans is a perfect fit for the Titans, and not just with his personality, and not just for the fact that he fills a need because he does. Avery Williams, and even if you don't think he was very good, uh, he he was the starter for a long time, and and his the body of Avery Williamson needs to be replaced by somebody, and. But more so than just filling a need and being a, a body, Rashawn Evans is really kind of ideal for this whole 
front multiplicity idea that the Titans want to run because he can blitz, he can cover, he can tackle in the run game. You can line him up at edge rusher if you want to in a sub package. There's just a lot you can do with him. And while I don't love the inside linebacker position being selected in the first round, unless it's just a a stud talent like a Ryan Shazier or Luke Keekley, I understand this one because there's a lot he can do, and I think there is a lot of value in him as a first-round draft pick, particularly for the Titans. Yeah, I mean, I liked him a lot as a prospect when I watched him. Uh, the only thing that made me skeptical of using uh, the 25th pick on him was just that the inside linebacker position has kind of been uh, devalued in the NFL. But, I mean, it was a huge need for us. There was no doubt about it. Will Compton and Jayon Brown were not going to be the the rotation at starter uh, going into the season. I think we all kind of knew that. Um, so I, I, w- I was happy taking Evans at 25. I thought him... Him, Leighton Van Der Esch, and Harold Landry were the three guys that I would have been perfectly fine with taking at 25. Um, I didn't love tr- trading up to do it, but, I mean, I, the, the info was that the Steelers were trying to get up, um, and the Patriots were going to take him at 24 probably uh, if he hadn't traded up. So kudos to John Robinson for pulling the trigger um, to get a player at a, at a huge position of need. Um, and like you said, Evans really is a multi-dimensional kind of guy. Uh, he can be that two down, two down, da- two down thumper, like you said. Um, he does need to work in, in in on his coverage ability a little bit, but I mean that'll come with time. Um, and like you said, um, he was recruited uh, as a pass rusher um, from high school, and and he was a pass rusher, I believe, through his first couple of years at Alabama, and then he got turned into a middle linebacker, and became a really good one at that. Um, you, you can go to the go, go watch him against LSU. Um, he's just a very instinctual player. Um, I think the second play of that game, he he snuffs out um, a shovel pass, just absolutely buries the tight end. And then on the next offensive play, um, he comes on a delayed blitz and buries the quarterback. Uh, and that's the kind of guy we're going to get, and that's the kind of guy we need because Avery Williamson just wasn't a guy that could do those things. Yeah, I think something that we all kind of underrated because we knew that the big needs coming into the offseason, or at least the draft, was we needed a new linebacker because – there were obviously snaps to be filled, and we needed a new pass rusher. But technically, there was no immediate need for a starting pass rusher where the, the need for a starting linebacker was clearly like, I mean, you've got to have somebody to fill that position. So I think that's why we kind of all skewed you know, edge and our values ahead of linebacker. But it, it's a draft pick that looks a lot better retrospectively because I, agree I with like that the, completely. That it looks better retrospectively. What? Yeah, yeah, um, because he, like, Evans makes a ton of sense uh, in the whole draft because you know you're going to get an edge rusher who's a first-round quality guy, but they had to have somebody to fill that spot, and they clearly felt the same way a lot of teams did, which there was four inside linebackers on the board that had first-round grades, and Evans was the last of those guys. So if they didn't trade up, you know, you don't know who you're going to end up getting there. I guess they would have taken Landry if he was well I guess he still would have been available but I guess they would have taken him but you know now looking back knowing that you can have both of them it just it makes it so much makes so much more sense so uh, you know I think I gave the pick a B minus at the time uh, because like I said I I thought edge was worth more but you know uh, looking back you have to give it a B plus or an A just how the draft fell which is a lot like the same thing we did last year with wide receiver with Corey Davis Mm -hmm. you know 
everybody thought it was a re- everybody thought it was a reach until four picks later when all the wide receivers with first round grades were off the board. So John Robinson does a very good job of understanding how the draft is going to fall and he understands when he needs to maneuver and when he doesn't. And I mean, you got to give him a ton of credit for understanding, you know, it, despite, you know, they may have had a higher grade on Harold Landry. And I, I expect they did, but they knew that there was a good chance that he was going to fall to the top of the second round. And, they knew that there was a team that might make a move with them, and I mean, it all fell exactly the way they wanted to. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think uh, if Evans wasn't there, we probably would have taken Sweat or Hubbard at uh, twenty-five no. because they priority first-round picks. You know <laughs> that that was that was what everybody said they heard. All, was- all I've heard for the last month is Josh Sweat <laughs> might even not be on the board at twenty-five, even though none of us had ever heard of him until about a week and a half ago. <laughs> Yeah, and when I said that Hubbard wasn't a day two guy, and uh-huh. everybody slammed me saying that he should probably be in the first round, and then he goes in the third round to a team that notoriously takes bad defensive linemen, and even they thought it. But then he just reached to them in the third round. So, I I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's something that needs to be said uh, that most major media members have no idea what's going on in the Titans organization and what they need. None. And if they if they have sources. John Robinson is telling those sources to tell them certain things so that people have no idea what the Titans are going to do. Because very few people in the beginning of the draft had linebacker or edge as their first-round picks. Guys like Mel Kuyper had running backs and tight ends and inside linebackers, and they had it all the way up to the draft. I mean, they were just sure that they had an inside source that swore that they needed, you know, tight ends and inside linebacker or inside linemen. And all of a sudden, the draft's over, and neither one of those positions have been addressed. So, it's one of those things where trust the people who've watched, like us, who've watched them all season, who have watched draft prospects, who understand kind of what should happen, and listen to us, and don't say, "Well, Mel." Kuyper said that James Daniels <laughs> falls it. all the way down. There's no way they can pass on him. I mean, just trust what makes sense and what you've seen with your own eyes and don't let somebody influence you like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you always talk about how uh, John Robinson doesn't BS in his media availabilities. He's usually very straightforward and he doesn't, you know, yeah. So – at his press conference on Friday afternoon when they were introducing Rashawn Evans to the media, someone asked him if he had inquired about the price of maybe moving up in the first round. And he said, yeah, we've made some phone calls about that. We really like some of the players that are left. Uh, we'll see if the price is right. Like, you don't just say that. Like, most general managers would just kind of shrug that off and be like, you know, we explore every alternative. But he was like, ah, yeah. yeah, we're trying to trade up. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I mean, nailed it. it happened. Like, you, you about it. Like, you, like I, didn't, I didn't hear the uh, press conference. I didn't hear any of that. So I saw that on your Twitter before I saw it on anybody else's where you said, you know, it really sounds like to me that that's somebody thinking about trading up. And John Robinson is not a BSer. So, you know, it just – when he says stuff, listen. He doesn't say stuff just to blow smoke. All the smoke he blows is behind the scenes to mess with other people. When he's talking to the <laughs> when media, he told people he that assumed, he wanted Josh Sweat in the first round. Yeah, <laughs> he he told, I mean, 
he must have gotten all the the major interview like interviews and stuff that he did. He said, "Look, I'm going to tell you this, but don't tell anybody. But there's two guys I really love, and it's Josh Sweat and Sam Hubbard. But don't tell anybody. And they must have lost their mind and told everybody they could. Like it, it's kind of like what's going on in the Browns, where like they they told everybody different stuff to try to figure out who the leaks were. Like I feel it's like Hugh Jackson. Hugh I, Jackson just leaks everything." Yeah, and, and to his buddy, but uh, I feel like Robinson did the same thing where he was like, you know, I like Sam Hubbard, and then he talked to another guy and said, I like Josh Sweat, and he talked to another guy and said, we really need him inside offensive line, and then he talked end. to another guy and said, have you seen this 25-year-old tight end who's not very good named Hayden Hurst? We should we should really get him in the first round, <laughs> and you can kind of see everybody who was wrong, because when you looked at the mock drafts, there wasn't a consensus for a long time not only on the player, but the position that the Titans were going to take. And then about that time, Benjamin Albright tweeted out that the Titans were, you know, the team that it was the hardest to get inside info about, even though all these people said, you know, I talked to somebody in the organization yesterday and blah, blah, blah. So, again, trust your eyes, trust the people who've watched and who've, you know, studied what John Robinson likes to do. And just, you know, trust us when we say that guys like Harold Landry and Rashawn Evans make a lot of sense. And, you know, for the past few years, like every year on draft day, I'll get a lot of people, like friends, asking me, you know, what do you think the Titans are going to do? And last year I was like, well, it's probably either the corner from Ohio State, Lattimore, or the receiver from Western Michigan, Corey Davis, at some point. And then the year before mm-hmm. that, I'm like, well, it's probably going to be, I think I mocked them Jack Conklin, but, I mean, we thought it was, we knew it was going to be a tackle. And the year before that, we knew it was going to be Mariota. Someone asked me before the draft, they're like, what, what do you think the Titans are going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I legitimately, for the first time in a while, had no idea what was going to happen. All I knew was that it was not going to be Josh Sweat, just because that didn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. that it, I mean, this was the most unpredictable offseason that we've had in a long time from free agency to, you know, from John Robinson going out and signing two fairly big-name free agents. Yeah which is not what he usually does uh, to him, you know, going into a draft where everybody expected him to trade down and get more picks. And he ended up with four picks and two guys who should have been first rounders. It, you know, the profiles make sense. You know, if you look at them all, they're all guys that John Robinson would like, but uh, you know, again, it's, it's really hard to pin down exactly what John Robinson likes, but every year we get a little bit clearer of an image. Yeah. And I think it's pretty pretty cool, or at least interesting, that John Robinson has kind of uh, his idea of what the team needs has kind of aligned with the fans' ideas of what the team needs. Because last year it was pretty clear it was cornerback and wide receiver ends up going cornerback and wide receiver in the first round. This year it was pretty clearly inside linebacker and edge, and he goes inside linebacker and edge with his first two picks. Uh, and you can even go back to the first draft; it was pretty clear we needed to trade down, accumulate picks. Um, and get a get a right tackle eventually, uh, and he ended up doing that. So bef- uh, I bef- find that pretty interesting. Before we hop in and talk about Harold Landry, I want to kind of address this idea that you just kind of brought up. John Robinson doesn't mess around. He addresses needs. Now, granted, his first year, every position other than quarterback was a need. But like last year, you know, I think I wrote a team needs piece, and I was like, well, the Titans probably need a receiver. They need a corner. They need a kick returner. They need a speed edge rusher in the late rounds and something else. I forget what. And he, like, methodically just addressed those positions. And this year we were all like, well, 
they need some safety depth behind Cyprian and Bayard, uh, probably an athletic safety, uh, and they need an edge rusher, and they need a linebacker. Boom, boom, boom. Those were the first three picks. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't mess around. He doesn't do what John Gruden did with the Raiders, where he's like, I'm going to pick these my Gruden grinders and just <laughs> – he doesn't mess around. He's like, all right, I want, the, I need this position filled. What do I need to do to get this position filled? It's, yeah, it's, it's very. And he'll do it either through free agency or the draft. I mean, in free agency, he did it with Dion Lewis, uh, and also with Malcolm Butler. So he's he's filling all the needs that this team has. Um, and right now, I don't I don't even know where the holes are. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the insane part. I wrote something today about how. You know, the three holes you kind of had after the draft, which were like wide receiver six, edge four, <laughs> and running back yeah. six. And <laughs> he, he fixed those in undrafted free agency with Akram Wadley, uh, Sharif, I can't remember his last Finch, name. Finch, Finch. Finch, yeah. Sharif Finch and uh, uh, Deontay Burnett. Like, mm-hmm. all guys probably deserve to be drafted. Like, I mean, if, if you look at, you know, draft guides and all that stuff, those guys either have round like late round grades on them or they're priority free agents. So, I mean, like they're all guys that make a ton of sense. And now you look at the roster and outside of like top end talent, the, I mean, sure. Would it be better if we had Indomitian Sue? Yeah. We'd probably be a little bit better. Would it be better if we had Eric Berry next to Kevin Byard? Yeah. We'd probably be a little better, but I mean that other than that, there's not holes where it's like we need another body in this position or we need an average player. Uh, I could mm-hmm. I could deal with an upgraded at interior offensive line. I think that sure. that's a weakness. And uh probably we, an upgrade at, before, at, or at least an influx of some juice at the receiver position. But other than that, I, I mean and both of those are probably nitpicking. So Yeah, and and we've done this before where we've talked about how both of those positions should be better uh, now that uh, LaFleur is in charge. Like, they should be able to emphasize, uh, you know, getting a guy like Rashard Matthews in space more where he's, you know, th- what did we run? I think we ran the least amount of slants in uh, the NFL last year. Well, they were so close which, to each other that they would have run into each other if they had run yeah, slants. Yeah, which it was absolutely nonsense like and when you have guys like Rashard Matthews and Corey Davis who are you know bigger not not necessarily with Rashard Matthews in terms of being tall but like he's a bigger guy who can use his size to shield off people you know when you have guys like that and you had Eric Decker to not utilize your wide receivers properly it will get you killed and it will get you beaten and a lot of times it held back this offense uh I I expect a lot of our wide receivers to look more productive this year and Uh, interior offensive line, uh, we talked about this uh, last year, too, or when we talked about LaFleur, too. I can't tell you who the guard center guard are for the Los Angeles Rams, but they were the first offense in the NFL. So, I mean, as good as it would be to have, like, a David DeCastro or, like, you know, a Mike Iopati in his prime, one of those really good guards, Yeah. at the end of the day, most teams with top offenses in the NFL don't do it because they've got great guard play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think uh, not drafting a receiver um, and not even really not looking for one in free agency um, is, is a pretty big uh, vote of confidence to the current group. Um, and I think John Robinson believes that they're they're as talented as their draft position 
um, indicates, uh, and that the problem really was the coaches last year for not, not getting enough out of them. Yeah, and I think it also, it's a vote of confidence in the players he has, but maybe more than anyone, Tajay Sharp, that he's going to be able to come back and mm-hmm. take a step forward from where he was as a rookie, because he's someone that I really like, and I think that if he is actually fully healthy, he could challenge Taewon Taylor for snaps in the slot. And I don't think that's an outrageous thing to say. No, no, I don't think so either. Taiwan didn't, I want to be honest, he really didn't show all that much last year to um, to inspire that much confidence. Um, but I, I'm expecting Corey Davis to have a huge year next year. But we'll talk about that in a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's move on to Harold Landry, the Titans' second-round pick, a guy that I don't think any of us expected to be there at 25, much less at, at 41, where they actually ended up with him. Because Harold Landry, I mean, he, he's just a freak. He's fast. He's bendy. He, he's got great first step. He, he's just general. He's a general athlete at that position. It is really what the Titans have lacked for a long time in terms of needing an element of speed in their pass rush. This guy is very clearly the heir apparent to Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan. They gave up a lot to get him. I mean, a third-round pick, that's a... a, a, a that's high draft capital, and uh, but I think it was the right decision, and I think they got a really talented player. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before the draft. We all loved him, um, and there really weren't that many people that watched him that, that didn't like him at all. I mean, you could just see the, the natural uh, pass rushing traits there. Um, he arguably was the best pure pass rusher in this entire draft. Um, he was hurt uh, last year. Um, and he wasn't able to to be as productive as he was the year before, which was one of the best pass rushing years we've seen in by a call by a college pass rusher in quite some time. Um, like you said, he, he's just very good at bending. Uh, he's good with his hands. Um, obviously, he can he can get better at run defense. Um, but I think learning behind Derek Morgan, who's arguably one of the best uh, run defending edges in the entire league, um, he's going to be able to take him under his wing, um, show him how to how, how to run defend better. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to him in a Titans uniform because, like you said, uh, even last offseason, we were we were hoping uh, that we would draft uh, an edge pass rusher, um, a twitchy one, a speed pass rusher. We thought maybe Josh Carraway would get that chance. He really didn't. Uh, it ended up being Eric Walden, um, who, who performed fine, uh, but he's getting up there in age, and, and we definitely needed some youth um, at edge. And I'm he, glad, he's still a free I'm glad agent, we got him with Landry. By the way, Eric Walden? Yeah. He, he is. I wouldn't like, be surprised what? if they bring him back, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd rather have him as the fourth rusher than Dodd or maybe not Wallace. Mm-hmm. I like Wallace, but Dodd or Caraway, I'd probably rather have Eric Walton. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you could, you know, kind of make some wiggle room and figure out a way to get him on the roster with both those guys. And you could probably get Caraway to the practice squad again. So, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know, like, it, it kind of surprises me that nobody signs him after he's productive. You kind of year in and year out, especially the last couple of years. But, um, yeah, he's somebody I would I would definitely consider bringing back. He's a good football player. I mean, he played well last year. Yeah, I mean, and he did it doing some kind of borderline dumb stuff, too, where they made him stand up in the middle <laughs> of the line when that's clearly not his his forte. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how uh, – where he goes and how they address edge – going forward kind of if they just leave it like it is or if they add somebody else um 
what, what do you think his role is going to be this year? I mean, I, I, we talked about how someone asked uh, Vrabel, would he be an understudy? And he said, no. I think this is a guy, it will probably be a little bit similar to the situation that uh, that D Ford had sitting behind Justin Houston and Tom Bahali, although it never really actually panned out for D Ford. And pretty similar to what Vic Beasley went through in his first year, it kind of took a while for Beasley to get his feet under him before he became, you know, the the league leader in sacks in his in his second season. Uh, so I would expect him, you know, maybe not be the starter, but he's going to be playing a lot of snaps. Uh, probably I would expect more than what Eric Walden played last year. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at it right now. Walden played 53% of the snaps. I'm expecting Landry to be around 60. Probably yeah, that's probably a um, good bet. Yeah, and Arakpo played 76% of the snaps, uh, which is an okay number. But if you can get Arakpo down to, like, the high 60s, uh, get Landry at 60, and then Derek Morgan keep his 65%, I mean, that's a really good three, three-person three rotation at, at edge. Keeps everybody Especially fresh, if you add it. Yeah, exactly, which is, which is huge when you're pass rushing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's no reason not to have him on the field for the majority of third down snaps. Um, something I've kind of played with is uh, I don't know why they wouldn't do a version of that, you know, NASCAR package or whatever they call it now, where you put Derek Morgan inside at a three technique, you put Casey at the other three technique, you stand Rashawn Evans up over the middle and you put a um, Poe and Landry on the outside and you just run that defense on third and long. Because that's very similar to that diamond formation that uh, Vrabel ran in uh, with the Texans. So that's something I think we'll see a lot of this year. And those guys all doing that at the same time with Jayon Brown and Wesley Woodyard covering behind would be deadly knowing how well our corners and safety should be able to cover. Um, something I want to talk about real quick is uh, Marcus Mosher. I think who does a lot of stuff with uh, the draft and who's a big Cowboys guy, uh, post this thing that said um, that's a list of every edge rusher since 2005 who's run a sub-seven-second three-cone and had at least 1.25 tackles per game. Um, the list is 12 people long. It's Vaughn Miller, Ty Bowser, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Ware, Jordan Willis, Harold Landry, J.J. Watt, Joey Bosa, Vinnie Curry, Vic Beasley, Justin Houston, Derek Barnett, and Jerry Hughes. So, like, 95, 90 to 95% of that roster or group of people has been, you know, above average starters. Uh, I think the only guy who isn't Willis. is uh, Randy Gregory on that list just because. Jordan, Jordan Willis, man. Yeah, isn't he, isn't he a second-year guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. he hasn't so, gotten the chance yet. Yeah, and I think uh, he was had something like six sacks or something. I think I think he had a pretty good rookie year, even though he had to split time with Carl Lawson and a mm-hmm. couple other good pass rushers in uh, Cincinnati. So, it, you know, that list is pretty. T- I mean, there's twelve people on it in terms of sample size, and I think five of them. Our pro bowlers are all pro, all pro players with J.J. Watt, Joey Bosa, Justin Houston, uh, Vaughn Miller, and Demarcus Ware. So if half of a list is all pro and or just all pro, straight out all pro, not just pro bowl um, 
players and you just drafted a guy in a second round who fits that bill, you should be pretty excited that you got that guy. I mean, it's just uh, it's just so much potential for success with him. I, I want him on the field as much as possible. And the fact that they got him this year makes I don't, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where when it happened, I couldn't believe it happened, and I kept waiting to hear that he had bone on bone or some kind of terrible injury, and that stuff never came out. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. As far as his usage, get him out there twenty snaps a game. You know, don't put him out on first down, but don't be afraid to rest Derek. Uh, uh, Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo uh, after that. And just, I mean, let him pin his ears back and go. Let him be Vaughn Miller. You know, let him be Alden Smith when he was a rookie. Let him be that speed outside guy. And just, you know, give more responsibility to the linebackers and defensive tackles if you need to. But let your playmakers be in a position to make plays. Mm-hmm. Um, Titans' next pick was a long time later after the first two because the first two were – what like fourteen picks? Or no, twenty-two to forty-one. That's nineteen picks apart, roughly. Uh, their next picks were much farther apart uh, because they they went from picking in the second round to picking toward the end of the fifth. Traded up again to get Arizona safety Dane Krukshank. I guess he's. I mean, he's probably a safety at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel talked a lot about how they liked his versatility. You know, he can play nickel if you need him to. He can play both safety spots because of his athleticism. And uh, in a different way than Rashawn Evans and Harold Landry, Cruikshank fills a need for athletic depth behind uh, uh, Kevin Byard and Jonathan Cyprian because after releasing Denor Searcy, the Titans needed another body at that position and probably an athletic body, and that's what they get in Cruikshank. Uh, Brendan Trawick, pro bowler Brendan Trawick, uh, is mostly just a special teams guy. So uh, I think this was a good pick and uh, is going to probably take a bit of pressure off of Kevin Byard and Jonathan Cyprian this year because he will uh, be able to take some snaps and, and give them an opportunity to rest so that they're not you know, on the field all the time and, and you know, constantly worried about their stamina being an issue. Uh, yeah, the safety depth was was a concern, um, and it was it was definitely a need to get a backup safety. I mean, we were down to like you said, Trawick, who's a special teams guy, primarily, and the the other safety was Denzel Johnson, I think, who I feel like he's like a practice may not squad even guy. Make the team. Yeah, yeah. If if anything, he'll be on the practice squad. Um, but I like that you bring up the need to give Kevin Byard a rest because. He played 99.72% of the snaps last year. Which is insane. Which which is ridiculous. I don't I can't remember. Well, Adoree Jackson a player. played played the most snaps of any player in the AFC. The Honey Badger was the only player in the whole league that played more snaps than him. Uh yeah, because Adoree played special teams also. And and uh, offense. And he got offensive snaps. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Bayard cannot be out there for 99% of the snaps. Uh, I, it, that's only like a number that centers get because they're always on the field and they're always touching the ball. But no, uh, about Krukshank, um, I think he's a safety at, at the next level. Um, he's pretty good at, at breaking up passes when he's one-on-one with receivers. Um, I'm going to be honest, I really haven't been able to see that <laughs> that many games because there aren't really cut-ups. Uh, they're mostly just highlights. Um, but he, he can fly around on the field. Uh, he picked off a bunch of high-level passers um, in the Pac-12 last year. 
I picked off Darnold, uh, Rosen, uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon, um, and Jake Browning from Washington. So that's that's some pretty good pedigree. Um, and when you look at Krukshank, uh, the thing that really kind of blows you away is his athletic profile. Um, so he ran a 4-4, 140-yard dash. That's 93rd percentile um, among defensive backs. Um, his speed score is 94th percentile, and his catch radius is 85th percentile. So he's pretty much catching catching passes like he's a receiver um, or when he's breaking up passes. Uh, so I'm really intrigued to see what the Titans do with him. Uh, his best comparable on playerprofiler.com is Antoine Bethea who, as many of you know, is a three-time pro bowler. I'm not saying Krukshank is going to be that, um, but given his athletic background um, and and his pedigree in terms of picking off uh, really high-level passers uh, last season, uh, I'm excited to see what the Titans could do with him. And he's going to play a lot in his first season, I think. So um, I, I don't want to kind of jump ahead or anything like that, but uh, – he and Kalen Reed kind of shared the same role to me as really athletic guys who played uh, played cornerback, who but but who've kind of been flexed out to uh, safety and who project better there. I think that that's the kind of guy Robinson likes to have around because of the success of guys like Jason McCourty, um, somebody who's really athletic who can play safety and who can tackle well enough. So. Um, I think that's kind of what the profile we're learning with his safeties is. I think it's great because this kind of opens the door for the Titans to carry three quarterbacks, which uh, if they don't have the flexibility at defensive back, I'm not sure how else you kind of eliminate those. uh, uh, Let me rephrase it. I don't know how you open up roster spots for a third quarterback and a third running back like they're going to carry and – you know, all the wide receivers. So I think having that defensive flexibility and the ability to play special teams with Kalen Reed and Crookshank really uh, allowed them to take a third quarterback. So I'm not going to pretend like Robinson had some master plan where he knew that, you know, Falk was going to fall and that specifically that's who he wanted or anything like that. But again, looking at this draft in retrospect makes it make a lot more sense and you kind of understand these things. But if the Titans carry one last defense, one less defensive back this year, and one extra quarterback, and those you know two players both happen to be you know rookies, then it, it makes it look like a very complete draft class. So that's one reason why I think they liked Crookshank. I know that depth was an issue, but I think I or I don't think that uh, he's going to necessarily push Cyprian for time to start over him. He might start in some three. Uh, safety sets or something like that early, but he's one of the few guys who I'm not necessarily as high on as others in terms of a guy who's instantly going to start. Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to start. I mean, he's a fifth round pick. Let's be, let's keep yeah. it uh, realistic here. <laughs> People see like, it's like, okay, who, they, who are their first three picks? And they're like, okay, well, their third pick is this guy. Maybe it's like, well, that guy's also like, you know, our day three pick, you know, one he was in the bottom half of our draft as well. So, and he only played safety for one year. They yeah, tried him a cornerback in 2016, and they had to move him. So, and people are going to get really excited because, like you said, he's really athletic, which is great. You know, he he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, he can play the ball well. You know, they have a need at safety, and that's where they're going to play him. And people are going to want to pencil him in over Cyprian because he's probably the next guy now that the Titans are so strong roster-wise that people want to replace. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, 
I'm not jumping on him to start, but I do think he should get some heavy uh, special team snaps. I'm still a Cyprian believer, by the way. I know he struggled last year, but he was injured for yeah, a lot of the out of my mouth too because I do really like Cyprian. I don't want to replace him. I think in this defense now you've got three corners who can play man coverage. Yeah. At, or really, you know, they should be able to lock down those guys on the outside, and you should be able to have Kevin Byard patrol and play real free safety. And then why not have an extra guy that can stop the run, especially if you've got guys like Iraq Poe and Morgan and Harold Landry who you're wanting to get up the field and get into the backfield. It doesn't hurt to have a guy who's maybe not the best in coverage but who can thump at, at safety. So, uh, you know, I am I'm very willing to give Cyprian another year to let to show that he can be what we thought he was going to be. Future mm-hmm. future friend of the show, Jonathan Cyprian. Um, yeah, teaser. Yeah. Um, let's wrap up and talk about Luke Falk. Matthias, you just watched some film of him about an hour ago. I know. Um, uh, yeah. Since you are now our resident expert on the Titans' new third-string quarterback, I will <laughs> I will let you enlighten our listeners with Luke Falk information. Yeah, guys, um, he's not going to be Tom Brady. I can tell you that much. Um, I don't I don't like him. I'm going to be honest with you. Like the <laughs> the 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 little I've seen of him, um, I, I I watched him against Oregon. I watched him against. Um, Against Stanford, uh, he's just he just has these these like brainless moments where he's just throwing, um, and I don't know if he doesn't see the defender or he thinks he can squeeze the ball in, uh, but he doesn't have the arm strength to do it. Um, and defenders just jump the route and, and they pick it off. The one against Stanford, they they ran it back the whole way. It w- it was bad. So I'm a little concerned. Uh, the good thing is he was one of the most productive college passers in college football history. Uh, I think he's the leader in Pac-12 in like completions, completion percentage, all of that. Um, and his short to intermediate accuracy is pretty good. Um, but it, if the if the pocket collapses, it the play is like over because he has no mobility. And I, I so mean, at the end of the day, true. when you draft a quarterback in the sixth round, you're not expecting much, right? I, I yeah. So I'm not expecting much. Uh, I remember people getting hyped up about Zach Menberger. Um, but he was also a sixth round pick. I don't know why people were expecting him to be to to, to be a future starter. So I'm not <laughs> expecting that from Falk. Never um, forget that Greg Cosell tried to tell Titans fans yeah. that it made more sense to draft Leonard Williams than to dra- because of Zach Mettenberger than to draft Marcus Mariota. I, for the record, <laughs> I was never in that camp. And that that's like the Titans. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.